Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. Welcome to the show today. We also have a video version now for those of you who want to watch it on video. And I'm so excited. And seeing him add so much value to their lives. That's what this is all about, is hearing God's voice for ourselves and the world around us. And today I have Tyler Feller on. I'm going to tell you about Tyler real fast. Tyler is the president of Tyler Feller Ministries. He's a passionate pastor, excited about what God is doing. Yes, he is. At M1 Church, he, does, uh, he serves as a lead pastor, helping ignite a community on fire for Christ. He advises churches around the United States with his association at Intentional Churches, dozens of which are featured, learning to see our failures and struggles as opportunities, which is coming out this fall. I want to encourage you to get it. And uh, Tyler is just an amazing young man. I ended up meeting him online through social media. He's connected a little bit to Randy Clark Ministries, who's a friend of ours. And I just have been watching him and just the content he's putting out there and just the voice he's becoming. And I was so glad to bring him on the show because I think it's really good for a lot of people. He's young. And a lot of you who are uh, wanting to start a ministry or wanting to be in vocational ministry or part-time ministry to hear someone's process about it because the process has changed. Sometimes when you talk to somebody, when you first have a baby, you talk to somebody who's already a grandparent, they don't know those beginning two or three year stages. They forgot what it was like when you're teaching your little baby character because little babies don't have character. They don't know what no means yet. They don't know what it, what it's like to be put to sleep, you know, at a certain time every night and how it doesn't always work. And the same is true when you're planting churches or ministries. A lot of times people who, you know, are in their 80s and have done it for 40 years are out of touch with the beginning stages and they still have great wisdom, but you need that peer-to-peer resource. And right now, I think after COVID and after what we just experienced throughout the world right now, we need more ministries. We need people with only 1% of Christians entering a vocational ministry, even part-time. We need ministries to rise up right now. There's room for you. There's room for your ministry. There's room for who you are in the spirit. And Tyler's going to help encourage you about that today as we have our interview. So stay tuned. My friend Sean Bowles and I wrote a book called Wired to Hear that's available everywhere books are sold. Most people don't hear the audible voice of God. That's all we think, the only way we can hear God. But we have story after story after story of people hearing the quiet, still voice of the Lord or impressions or instinct and intuition, which we write about. And we're hoping that that helps people unlock their relationship and how to hear the Lord and how to walk with the Lord. Or what does this look like when you're on set in a movie? Or what does this look like when you're a chairman or when you're in Starbucks as an employee? How do you use this place of hearing connected to God? It's not just about evangelism. It's also about how to thrive and, and connect who Jesus is to your life, not just to do something for him, but to do something with him. So we're talking to bankers and we're talking to lawyers and doctors and people who are billionaires. We've had these amazing conversations, what God does when he speaks to somebody and it actually causes a ripple effect in their industry or causes new ideas or even career changes. It's going to change everything for you if you haven't already had this activated. Welcome to the show today. I have Tyler Feller on. Tyler, let's talk. This is exciting. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be part of this podcast. Been a long time listener. Can't believe I'm on the other side, but only through the grace of God. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thanks for listening. And I'm so glad you're on the other side because you have a lot to talk about. And your story is filled with the kinds of stories that we love to have on the show. So 
It is perfect timing. I know that you're a pastor and you guys have um, had to respond differently than a lot of people because of the state you live in, just like we live in California. Mm-hmm. And so you've had to be on a different journey than some states that are more open. I mean, Florida, there's no virus. California, they still, we just opened up and they still think we're all going to die. So <laughs> we've all been yeah. so different. Yeah. But tell us about how you got involved with ministry because there's quite a God story in this. Yeah. So my heart really uh, was focused on maybe being a politician <laughs> whenever I was younger. In fact, wow. when, I was 10, you know, when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be the president because I was enamored by this idea of Al Gore versus George Bush and how both of them could get 50 percent of the nation to vote for them. And I didn't know much about the policies, but I watched the debates and I know that there was you know conversations going on with people who to vote for. And I thought it was incredible. And I, I wanted to be the president. I started dressing wow. up as the president of the United States. I wore a little suit. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. And the governor of Missouri at that time had actually went to this elementary school. I went to a little tiny town. His dad had been the superintendent, a little tiny town of about 300 people, little school. He flew in on a helicopter and gave our school a flag, a Missouri flag and a USA flag. And the oh, school put me in charge of it. So like I was next level politician, dressed up every single day. And on career day, uh, our counselor, she came out uh, to our classroom. She said, anybody who's dressed up for career day, come out in the hallway and we'll take a picture of you. And so we're all standing there for the picture. And we had little labels on our picture uh, of what we were for the picture. And she was going through them and she was like, oh, Randy, you're going to be a truck driver. And oh, Stephen, look at you. You're going to be a basketball player. And then she got to me and she was like, Tyler. And she said, you're going to be a, and she sort of stuttered. She was like a pro, pro. And she couldn't read the present. She said, a preacher. It was in that moment that it was really like the Holy Spirit was using her to speak prophetically into my life. And I took this label off of president and I put it in my little pocket and I wanted people to guess what I was for the rest of the day. You know, where I grew up, dreams were really small. So it was kind of crazy. I was dreaming of being the president. But in my mind, pastors had a lot bigger of a mantle uh, of leadership in my life than the president did. And so for me, just even thinking that somebody could think I was good enough to be the president or the preacher, like it blew my mind. And so my entire perspective shifted and I actually began to have dreams of me, like physical dreams at night of me preaching on stages and in churches and even in arenas and stadiums. That's yet to come to pass. I'm still believing for it. So uh, it was really this moment where God was using her, using her to speak to me about what that looked like. I saw that because so many kids, you know, I, I was reading church statistics and so many kids are, moving in a level of power and connection to God mm-hmm. that we don't recognize. And the average person gets saved now at 11 years old. Yeah. And half the world's population is under 12 years old. Yeah. And so I love that you were this little guy and God branded your heart with identity, just like Jesus when he was in the temple. I mean, it wasn't his time yet, but he totally knew who he was. So it's just so, so affirming to, cause now you're doing it and take us kind of on the journey to where, cause you went to a smaller town and you kind of dreamed over a smaller town. You didn't, you didn't say, I'm going to go to, Chicago, Illinois. I'm going to go to this town. Talk to us about that. Yeah, well, I went off to college actually in, in a larger city and I was a part of a university. And I always tell my church, like, if I'm having a really bad day, I think I want to be a politician again. I start Googling like, you know, um, law schools and that kind of thing. I'm like, I know that's not my identity, but if I'm having a really bad day, that's sort of the reset that I go to because they know that story. So I was away at college and I was confused as a lot of young people who are really leaving adolescence and entering into young adulthood about what 
about what their future should be. And, and I was laying across this big red bean bag that I have in this one bedroom apartment I was living in Springfield, Missouri. And what happened was it was like Jesus walked in the room with me and I felt this just tremendous like love and compassion that I was actually really longing for in my heart. I was listening to a Jesus culture song on repeat like 10 times a day, every single day. And that never happened before, but it was really this surge of, of the love of God that came over me. And I was uh, about to graduate and I thought I was going to go to law school after that. I thought I'd be the governor of Missouri. That's my first step onto the road to presidency. I had forgot the identity for a little bit that God had spoken into me. And when I felt this compassion of God uh, rest on my heart, Jesus walk in the room. I was like, this love that I feel, I want it to last forever. I don't think this moment's going to last forever, but I know I'm called to bring this to people around me. And just the next day, God opened the door, an opportunity for me to be a, a, an intern in a student ministry. And it was the summer, like the beginning of the summer. Anybody knows anything about student ministry? A lot of them closed down at the beginning of the summer. And I went, it was like four hours away from where I was going to school in this little tiny town. It was 10 students in the in the student ministry. And by the end of the summer, um, it had grown to 50 students. And so the the people of the church were like, hey, you got to stay. Like, we've never seen this kind of life in our church in this way. You've got to stay and be a part of this. Uh, and so I moved and switched universities to finish out at a different university, moved my whole life to this little town to be an intern at this church. And we saw God do incredible things. There were nights where there'd be several hundred students show up. And in fact, in a lot of ways, the youth ministry grew um, to like double the size of the actual church when we were meeting um, wow. with our youth meetings. It was just it was totally God speaking to my heart and me remembering what this identity was yeah. in him. I mean, that must have been so weird and affirming at the same time to actually go and switch your whole life around to go and be a part of this and to, to be probably the instigator of it. And so what happened next? What was the next season of that? Yeah, so the next season was I, I ended up becoming uh, like a basketball coach and a teacher at a school. I just was doing that so that I could do youth ministry. Where I grew up in, in that part of the country is the eighth poorest condition congressional district in the United States. So wow. like pastors are not really paid there. And if they are, most of them are just by, vo by vocational. So definitely people in youth ministry are not paid. They're all good hearted volunteers. Uh, and so I was leading this incredible student ministry while working full time. And I was, I don't know, probably putting in a hundred hours a week between everything that I was doing. And God opened a door for me to join a church plant um, a couple hours down the road where they had grown to this size where they could hire their first student pastor. And so I became a student pastor. Couldn't believe it. I was like, I can't believe I get to do this as my job. And God opened the door for me to do that. And the same sort of story happened. They'd never launched a student ministry before, uh, put me in charge of it. I found all the students in the church I could in our church plant. Um, and the first student event we had, I think, had 286 students. And the church actually doubled in size in my first three months there from like 500 to over 1,100 people just in my first three months. It was this incredible season that I stepped into. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that was also God planting inside of you um, the desire to have impact and see people really reach. But at the same time, was there any secret sauce in the midst of it that you could like, because there's probably a lot of people listening who are like wanting to start somewhere and the yeah. story because where you started and we're going to go into the deeper story because that's not what you're doing now. But um, what was the secret sauce to go into a small town like that and see Jesus so put on display? 
Yeah, it was just a radical dependence on him. Like if you are going to live out the miraculous, then you have to step out into where the miraculous has to be done. So then it's like a faith and a vision for it. But really, Sean, that was birthed in me when I was 15 years old. My brother had gotten a basketball scholarship interest letter from a school called Central Christian uh, College, and I'd never heard of it. And I thought, you know, I'll just type in Central Christian. At the time, Google had this button called the I'm feeling lucky button. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But if you hit it, it would take you to like the number one search result. And so I just typed in Central Christian and I never thought that if I hit it, you know, it wouldn't take me anywhere other than college. But it took me to this church in Las Vegas called Central Christian Church. And when I went to that, I was like, I I can't believe there's a church in Las Vegas. It's called Sin City. I can't believe there's, you know, actually something life giving going on here. And the pastor, his name was Judd Wilhite. And uh, he was telling his story of how he was on drugs and how he overcame that through God. And then there was a. There was a video on there about like how their church was structured. They called it plug in, charge up. And it was really just come to church, volunteer somewhere and, you know, and and find your purpose through small group. And they created this really cool video. And I, I had no idea church could be like that. And I became like probably their first online member, like in 2006 or something when I was just a teenager. And the And the sermon that they were doing was a sermon series on Google called I'm feeling lucky. It was talking about hitting the I'm feeling lucky button. It was like, that's how I got to you. It's totally God. But that moment there really spoke into me about how church can be excellent and how it's supposed to, you know, match culture. And it doesn't have to be, you know, stuck in something that doesn't make sense. I'd never heard anybody preach from anything other than the King James version of the Bible. And so when I'm listening to Pastor Judd and what they're doing at Central, God was in imparting things in me that I was able then to transpose in some of these rural areas in Missouri that were test people were hungry for the Lord. And so it was seeking him and then understanding it's really through him, right? It's a spiritual thing. It's through him understanding what you can experience beyond your local capacity, but then transpose it into your area to make a difference. And so that's really what was happening. I don't know if it's super secret, but it's, no, seeking it's, him. It's, it's super transform transformative. It's a transformative mindset where people, actually do something with their faith. And it's, I love that you, it sounds like just in talking to you that there's something really special because you could have applied your energy and your grace towards politics or legal, you know, being a lawyer, legal, <laughs> like I was at that, yeah. being a lawyer, but you, you actually really were on this God journey that led you all the way to this church, which I love that. I used to do the Google button all the time. I don't know if it was out of boredom or out of excitement, but I would just couldn't wait to see where it would take me. But you ended up going to a small, uh, another small town and you ended up taking yeah. over a church. Let's talk about that because that was really challenging. I know I lived in Missouri for a while. I lived there for about 12 years. So I know some of the smaller communities too, there's not necessarily like everybody plays well together and there's mm-hmm. a real denomination. And maybe it's not the same now, but it was when I was there. But there was like denominations really didn't connect that much except for the big citywide prayer gatherings. And so I, I can assume that wherever you were, even if it wasn't Missouri, wherever you were, it could have been a challenge because you're not in. I say like LA, we have you know less than four thousand churches, and we need four thousand more to meet the need. Right. So we're so excited when someone plants a church or someone comes in. We're not as concerned about or being afraid of their their methods as we are. Like, what's your heart, and can we champion you? Yeah. But it wasn't probably that way for you, and you also inherited a church that was kind of broken. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So where I'm at now, actually, from there, Sean, I went into just a season of of helping other churches and other student ministries, and I was doing a lot of consulting. Um, and then I was traveling around the nation speaking at student ministries. Wow. And so uh, I, I had, you know, gotten a little bit of a platform just from 
in, especially in student ministry, just speaking at conferences and things like that. But I felt the Lord put it on my heart um, to go back into vocational ministry. And just because of some of the success that I'd had and, you know, the grace that God had given me, I was given a lot of really good opportunities, really without trying. Just once I felt it in my heart, I needed to step back into vocational ministry. I got a, a lot of really great opportunities at some really famous churches. Um, and then I got an offer, an opportunity at a, at a church that wasn't as famous uh, called McLean's Rural First General Baptist Church. And I just felt it in my heart, like the Lord was speaking wow. to me, like, you need to go to that church. Uh, there was one church that flew me to their city, picked me up in a limousine, you know, introduced me to, you know, people I'd looked up to and saw on the internet. And it was like this really incredible moment. And then I'm like going to this little town, it's this weird dichotomy that I was living in. But I just trusted the Lord. I trusted that the Lord was leading me to this little town in McLeansboro, Illinois, that um, God's favor and, and hand was going to be on it. And I also had this thought that God doesn't position people for small things. And so I didn't have to be in a city or a part of a church of 20,000 people for God's promises to come to pass over my life that he could do it anywhere. And so I went to McLeansboro, Illinois, and, and got involved as the lead pastor of, of this church. And about a year in or a year and a half in, I started doing some research on the history of the church because in my heart, this idea of revival just began to be birthed. And Sean, some of the history that I have, when we talk about revival, we don't mean revival in the sense that the charismatic folks say it, where they're talking about like a state of the church where there's constant life change and miracles and that kind of thing. Yeah. Talking about, we're talking about like a week where we come to church every single night. Right. Like that's what we mean yeah. by revival. We see a camp meeting sign and it says revival this week. Yes. Yeah. And so I was like, the Lord's speaking to me about revival, but I knew he wasn't really speaking to me about every single night we're getting together. It's like, I felt like the Lord wanted to have a consistent revival atmosphere. And I started digging into the history of our church. And I found out that there was this incredible revival that took place in 1970. And in, in, in 1970, when this revival took place, there are several well-known ministers that were birthed out of it. And one of the people that I came across was Randy Clark. And it was McLeansboro First General Baptist Church is the church that uh, Randy Clark grew up in. And he and oh his God. dad was a deacon there. And he was in this really terrible accident and hospitalized. In fact, the other people he was in the accident with had passed away. And the group, the youth group at his church, the group of students he was connected with were praying for God's healing over him. He was supernaturally healed. And that's what started this 49-day revival where hundreds of salvations and dozens of people and some really well-known people in ministry were called out of it, including Randy, where he accepted his call into ministry. And so my I mean, the listeners who may not know who Randy Clark is, I'm assuming a lot of people do, but he is probably one of the most premier um, integrous healing ministry theologians who actually brings healing and theology all around the world. And some of the best ministries have been kind of connected to him or come out of him who focus on the supernatural because they do it on such an excellent level. And uh, I've been around Randy quite a few times and just been, he's so shaping, right? So so yeah. for Randy to come out of that church, I mean, that must have been like really eye-opening to say, okay, this happened here once. Why did you yeah. send me here, God? Yeah. Well, first off, I didn't know who Randy Clark was at that season. Oh, you didn't even know. Okay. No, I didn't know who he was. I just was reading online about the history of this revival. And so after I started studying who he was, I found out what the Toronto blessing was. And I began to understand oh. a little bit more about that revival culture. And at the same time that I was on this journey of figuring all that out, Randy's family still lived in the area and he was coming into the area on, on like the same week, essentially, that I'm 
having my mind blown with all of this. And he actually comes by my church. Now I know Randy and the platform that he has and how God uses him. And that's like, just seems like an impossible situation. And he, and he, and he told the secretary, he said, I really feel like God wants me to connect with him. And so he was speaking at a church that was within driving distance that evening. And uh, I missed the connection when he stopped by, but I drove to that church uh, and he gave me like 10 books to read. And he's like, read these in this order and this order and this order and this order. Uh, and it was incredible. The books were incredible. Um, and it, it it really shaped my idea that like God is present. God does heal. Miracles are supposed to happen. And this wow. is the beginning of what a revival culture could look like. Uh, and I also had uh, this inkling in my spirit that the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, I'm going to open doors for you tomorrow and you need to walk through them. And he gave me that first mm-hmm. Isaiah 22, 22 says, I'll give you the keys to the house of David and I'll open doors for you that no man can shut. And so the next day I was like super excited for any door. Like my friend Tony was like, hey, you want to go to lunch? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm supposed to do that with you. We're supposed to go to lunch today. But because I, I wasn't sure what the opportunity from the Lord was. And then I get an email from Randy and, it, and the subject line was invitation to relationship uh, with Randy. And it was an invitation that he was he was inviting to invest into me uh, as a pastor and invite me into a small circle of other pastors that he's pouring into um, and really open up, you know, his resources and, and what he's learned with me. And I went to the first conference I went to was called um, Signs, Wonders and Church Growth mm. of his. And I was so nervous because it was so unfamiliar territory for me. Like I had no idea what to expect, but I'm like, I'm into church growth. Like I understand that really well. I've been a part of it. I'm a student of it. So this is probably a good, a good mix. And really since you know, the presence of the God didn't see anything weird happening that I was expecting. Maybe I might. Um, and I went home and this incredible lady in our church, uh, she's the dean of a school and she's this incredible lady in our church. Everyone loves her, was diagnosed with cancer in between Ooh. her heart and her lungs. It's this really rare form yeah. of cancer. Uh, at the same time, my nephew, who always comes to visit me in the summer, had a friend that moved in with him and and he said, hey, is it OK if I bring my friend this summer when I come? And I was like, yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, and then when he got here, he said, hey, he's an atheist. I said, well, did you tell him I'm a pastor? And at the time <laughs> I was doing church like we had three services on Sunday. Um, we had a prayer service on Monday. We were launching another ministry in another town on Tuesdays. We had high school ministry on Wednesdays. We had junior high ministry on Fridays. I'm like, so we have church like six days a week. Did you tell him that? And he's like, uh, I told him. Well, this lady that's this incredible lady in our church understood the dynamic and said, why don't, why don't you let the boys come over to my farm and they can hang out and ride the four-wheeler around that way they don't have to go to church six days a week. And she built a connection with them and they love her and she loves them. And when she got diagnosed with cancer, we're all devastated. Wow, yeah. And so I get back from this event and I asked this young man who's an atheist, I said, what would it take for you to believe that God was real? And he said, I guess if I saw a miracle... And so that night we were having our ministry meeting in the other city. And this, this lady had came to it and she was going to the doctor the next day. They were doing her pre-op to try to remove the cancer. Um, and we prayed over her, including this young man that was an atheist. We prayed over her. And the next day when she went to the doctor, the cancer was completely gone. 100%. Ooh, so awesome. um, and, and this young man Whenever I came, I came home and, and and he was at my house and I told him, I said, hey, you know, she went to the doctor. They canceled the surgery. It's completely gone. And he accepted Jesus into his life. And he's still a Christian to this day. I mean, that story is like two years old now. And I just wonder, like, 
you, you know, you never know what God's doing, but had I not listened to God to go to McLeansboro, maybe I would have never met Randy and understood, you know, even I feel like I'm in the beginner stages still, but even understand that God can move in healing. And then would this young man, you know, be a Christian today? Had all of this not happened? Like it blows my mind when you think about how God works. Well, finish the story up too, because I've read in the notes about her. And how her testimony was reported in what was it, Harvard Medical Journal? Yeah, no, that's another story. There's another okay. story of somebody else that was reported in Harvard that we prayed over. And actually, she she's a doctor from Harvard, and she specializes in understanding pain at the molecular level. Mm. And so she's wow. like an expert in pain. And she had all of these terrible diagnoses that were wrong with her. And when we prayed over her um, through Zoom, I just got the sense in my spirit, like, we need to ask her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we did that, it was like she had fibromyalgia, a bunch of illnesses I can't even describe, all completely gone. And so in the beginning of her study, which is hundreds of pages long, talking about what happens at the cellular level with pain. And if she wore shoelaces, she had pain like it was that bad for her. She couldn't get out of bed. So in her study about pain at the very beginning of it at for heart, it's published in Harvard Medical. It talks about how God actually yeah, actually healed her of all of this pain that she had. It's just it's incredible. So, I just love your journey the last couple of years, what's happened specifically that you paid a price for it for many years to get to this point. But I think it just, you know, sometimes we find ourselves linked to something like when we moved to LA, we found out even though we, we weren't meeting in our building, but Amy and McPherson started the force mm-hmm. group and had prophecies over this too that were unfulfilled. And I just happened to study what revivals and movements and things happen in LA. And that was one of them, the one of like 25, you know, that, that started in LA. I remember just going, you know, I'm not directly linked to her. I don't, I'm not part of the Foursquare. I ended up getting to meet Jack Hayford several times and really spending time with him. It was special, but, um, but he wasn't even like on the zone of Amy. So he, he's fascinated by her, but he's not carrying on that legacy necessarily directly. And so I was like, just going, God, there needs to be people like this in the city. And I remember God said, why don't you talk about her story and you tell what's happened through her with the homeless situation, with, with all the the natural social justice stuff she did along with a spiritual transformation. And it's so cool when you come into a place and you start to understand nothing began with you or ends with you mm-hmm. and you get to be part of something. And I love that they had a move of God before you were born. I'm assuming. Yeah. Cause you were yeah. 16. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we have a lady in my church who's 93 and she was like, why did we hire a 16 year old pastor? I'm like, I've been here for five years. So that means that you hired me when I was 11. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're like, I'm the Doogie Hauser pastor. Right now. <laughs> yeah. This is great. No, but, but I mean, you know, like you come in and you get to see what happened before. And not only do you do that, but you're threading it in for that community, for that region. And then also for the other call that you have, that's a greater call beyond. And it's so, I think it's inspiring for our listeners because we're all connected to things that help us to understand we have a leg up, but we, nothing started with us. So where did it start and how do we connect our faith to it? And it may not be like you had the direct connection and maybe indirect like me, where I'm like, no one's carrying on this legacy. How do we grab hold of this and what she carried and carried even f- further? People are unconsciously carrying it on, but people aren't deliberately or intentionally. And she's one of many, you know, there's who's a revival, other revivals that happened here that we've, we've just looked at and said, how do we take the best of that and actually implement it now? And I think that's really important. What you've done for this church, you brought it into a transformation that it wouldn't even been directed towards this direction. How was that for the church when you began to come home from having Randy Clark as sort of a mentor yeah. or maybe a real mentor, and all of a sudden your church is on a new journey. Were they open to it? Was it scary for them? Was it, what was that like? 
Yeah, uh, I think there's aspects of it that is scary to people. And, and, you know, same way it is to me in some regard as I'm stepping into it and learning. However, when we have evidence of life change, it's impossible to refute because we have stories of people that are going to the doctor and then their report is completely healed. You can't argue with that. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got a report from a lady I prayed for, I guess, back in March, so three months ago. And I've never had this happen, Sean, where I'm preaching and somebody walks up to me in the middle of my sermon, maybe when I was a youth pastor and maybe I think I'd like squirt him with a water gun or something like, what are you doing? Quit bothering me. <laughs> Never like on a Sunday morning during church, I'm in the middle of my sermon and this lady, she she's in the back corner and she's 90 years old and she raises her great granddaughters that are teenagers and wow. she um, she's on oxygen and she could barely walk. She's walking so slow. And we have a big auditorium. And so everybody's just watching her as she, you know, works her way up. And I thought, you know, if she's going to try to hurt me or something, like she's going so slow, I'll be all right. I didn't know what she was doing. Uh, but when she got there, she said, hey, I need you to pray for me. And I was like, okay, sir, I guess sermon's over. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, we're going to pray for her. She said, I went to the doctor and they said, you know, my my lungs are failing. There's nothing they can do. Kidneys failing, liver's failing. Basically everything's failing. They're completely out of options for me. Uh, and, and so we prayed over her, uh, the whole church, we prayed over her. People were crying as we prayed over because the power of God, presence of God was so strong in that room. And when we're done praying over her, she picked up her cane. It looked like she took a, like a moped or something out of the church. She, she got out of there so fast. And a couple of weeks later, she sent me a message because I hadn't seen her. And she said, Hey, sorry, I haven't been at church. My car broke down, but I'm completely better. And so I, she lives in another town, but I drove over to her town and went and, and went to her house. I said, what are you talking about? You're better. And she said, I went to the doctor. She said, the moment I left church, she said, I haven't had to use a cane. And she said, I haven't had to use oxygen. And she oh, said, the wow. doctors don't believe me. They're having me send my oxygen levels to them every day. And it's been between 90 and 95 every single day. And wow. she said before I was lucky if it was 70. And I didn't know, I'm not, you know, a respiratory therapist, but I didn't know that once you go on oxygen, especially at that age, it's almost impossible to come off of it. And so like God completely healed her in that moment. And here we are several months later, she's sending reports to the doctors every single day, still completely healed. So when you talk about how a church is receptive or not receptive, it's pretty impossible. And there's a lady we love that, you know, is knocking on death's doorstep. And God comes her. God's like, I'm going to keep you alive. That's that's what I love that for your church. I love it so much. Your stories are just so great. I think I'm excited to see what God does for you and just uh, just how you're advancing the kingdom. I know that whatever He's doing in your church, I know He wants to export all kinds of places. And you have a book coming out in the fall. Tell us about your book. Yeah, I wrote a book called Don't Stop, just because I believe there's such a generation of people that are not conditioned well to face, you know, failure struggles or unmet expectations. And it really is a place out of deep prayer and Holy Spirit insight that I feel like God put in me that he is working behind the scenes at all times. We have a God who's doing things like connecting my brain to a church in Las Vegas whenever I'm 15 so that I can understand how structures of churches work and, you know, putting it on my heart to move to uh, McLeansboro, Illinois, so I can be connected to this greater work that God's doing in the body that I didn't even know about. And if people could understand that we have a God who's working behind the scenes in that way, then they're they're not going to want to stop. And so that's the premise of the book. It's helping people see that despite what they've been through or despite what they've caused for themselves, that's what happens sometimes, then there's a blueprint out of it. And God hasn't forgot them, but he's still work. He's still at work and he's still alive in them. 
Oh my gosh, it's like the best theme for a post-COVID book. Mm-hmm. Because so many people feel isolated or they feel like, is this over? Is there still opportunity? And I think that's so great. I want to encourage you, our listeners, to get a hold of it. How do people get a hold of you or how do people watch services or hear your teachings? What's your website? Yeah, the best way is just go to tylerfeller.com and then you can follow me on Instagram just at tylerfeller and there's a bunch of links in my bio there that you can get connected with me at. So good, Tyler. Tyler, thanks for sharing your stories. Thanks for inspiring us. I know that I hope people who are listening can apply it to towards whatever career path they've they've taken. That Just that walk with God, that obedience, that being curious, being hungry, being interested. You know, th- this is so important. And I love that you your life just displays that so well. So thanks for being on the show today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, it's been a huge honor. A lot that I've learned about the rhythms of God has come from you, Sean. Oh. And it's so important for me. Like Moses said, he wants to learn the ways of God. A lot of what I've learned about how the ways of God works has been directly from you through YouTube and your books and your online courses. And so thank you for doing that. It's made a huge difference in my life. Oh, that's that's huge. Thank you for thank you for thanking me back because I'm thanking you. <laughs> <laughs> well, my it was my privilege to interview you and I hope to hear from you again. I want to follow along and see what else is going on a year from now. Thanks so much for being on. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transcend God Mentoring, where you'll receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more. Or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.